Cue the cheesy podcast music. Welcome to MegaFest. Where we don't just manifest, we MegaFest. I'm your host, Megs Malloy. I'm creating a community of silly and soulful working moms who are mostly happy, but know they're capable of more. More self-love, more self-esteem, more self-trust, more calm, joy, natural highs, more magic in the world, and more laughter. Each week, me and my guests will bring you tips and tricks on how to make the most of your one precious life. And we're going to make them effective and efficient because ain't nobody got time for that. I believe in you. I want you to shine your light. I want you to become all that you're capable of. So let's hang out. Let's MegaFest together. Welcome back, my friends. I have some good news and I have some bad news. And I will start with the horrible news that... The fart gun has gone missing. Ah, what are we going to do? There's no fart gun. Can you even have a word of the day without a fart gun? We may not have our fart gun, but we are going to have a word of the day. We're going to try just like good potatoes try. And the word of the day is bli- is, <laughs> is bibliophile. A bibliophile is a person who loves books. And that leads me to today's theme, which is a summary of all the books that I read last year. That's right. Megs Malloy is a bibliophile. I don't actually read books because it's something with, I think, like the way that my eyes focus and my brain focuses. I just cannot sit down and read a book. But if you have me listen to a book... I will get through that book so fast and find the time to finish it. This is the secret of a busy woman. You have to make the best use of your time in the car while you're doing your chores, like folding laundry or maybe even working out. You can always be learning. That is a habit that I took up when I was in my early 20s even. I think I was at... I was at a seminar called Success, whatever year it was, 1998, I think. It could have been Zig Ziglar, could have been Brian Tracy, could have been Tony Robbins. One of those white dudes who said, turn your car into a classroom. And ever since then, I've been listening to audiobooks. Starting in 2020, I decided to read, oh, sorry, listen to one book every month. I was looking to learn, but I was also just looking to create self-trust. I wanted an easy and fun hobby and habit that I could create for myself. And man, I learned so much in 2020 from reading those 12 books. Okay, I'm going to say reading, but let's just know that I'm saying listening. Okay, okay. And then I did it again in 2021. And today on episode 16, I'm going to talk about the books I read in 2022. And maybe if I give you a quick summary of each of the books, you take a nugget and you don't need to read it or you find it interesting and you want to go get yourself an Audible account and start listening today. I want to know which ones are going to pique your interest. 
All righty. So I started out 2022 with a huge drive to conquer my money mindset. So naturally, I started off in January with Think and Grow Rich, the classic personal development book by Napoleon Hill that was written almost 100 years ago. Because it was written 100 years ago, there's not a lot of diversity in the stories. A lot of the stories are about, you know, rich white dudes. But there was one anecdote that really stuck with me. It was about a guy who bought some land because he heard that there was like some gold in the land and he dug, 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 didn't find the gold and just threw in the towel and sold his land to somebody else. Now this somebody else was a little, had a little bit more stick and maybe faith in their ability to come up with different solutions and they found the gold. So he was just a few feet away from finding the gold. The original guy was only a few feet away from finding the gold. And that totally stuck with me because it's all about stick Just right when you think it's the darkest, it's always darkest before the dawn. And just stick with it. Figure out another solution if it's not working. Oh, and also Napoleon Hill introduced this idea of having a boardroom in your head, which probably was like wild in 1937 that he's talking about, oh yeah, just create a boardroom in your head and you can invite whoever you want, the the greatest thinkers of your time and problem solvers, and just, you know, kind of get into a meditative state and just ask them the questions that you want the answers to. <laughs> it's like, some people might think that guy's cuckoo, but you know, sometimes it's these like random tricks like that, where you let yourself open up to a higher knowing that's when you get the answers. So to anybody who thinks that that is crazy, I would say you are crazy not to listen to that. And anybody can do it. You don't need to be in business. You don't need to be trying to get rich. You can put anybody in your boardroom you want. You put Oprah, you can put Beyonce, you can put, who would you put in your boardroom? I definitely love Eleanor Roosevelt. I think she's such a wise woman. I love Mother Teresa. I mean, I, I love the idea of Mother Teresa. <laughs> uh, she's got such great forgiveness. Like I would definitely have her in my boardroom because as we know, forgiveness and gratitude are the king and the queen of the soul. And you definitely need a good grasp on forgiveness if you're going to live your life with any sort of peace. That's what I think. Okay. That was a short book. Right after that, I went straight into another money mindset or like sales mindset book, which was The Art of Closing the Sale by Brian Tracy. So it came up with my business coach, Joe Ingram, who has been on the show. Very wise woman. Go back and listen to her episode. It came up that I was having some resistance around selling and making offers. She suggested that I read a sales book. And when I had first started my sales career back in my late 20s, early 30s, I was all about the sales books. And I had picked up The Psychology of Sales by Brian Tracy and loved it. It helped me so much. So I thought, well, this is kind of like the next step in the Brian Tracy series. So I'll go for this one. But oh my God, can I just tell you, I was listening to that book, Folding Laundry, and started to feel ill. 
like I seriously thought I was coming down with the flu all of a sudden while I was listening to that book because it was uncovering so many unhealed wounds from my past sales career, which, you know, I'm not knocking the book. It was a great thing that I discovered these unhealed wounds because then I could heal them. After that, I just was like, okay, enough with the money and the sales. Let me go back to what I love, which is like mindset and knowing yourself and living your best life. So I picked up Mastery of Self by Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. And it, I think it was his father who wrote The Four Agreements, which is, of course, super well-known self-discovery book. Mastery of Self takes its main teachings from the Toltec philosophy, which is a society of people who wanted to learn the art of living in like 1000 AD in Mexico. They're all about living with authenticity. So he goes into this analogy of like the dream of the planet and your own personal dream. And that's a little bit too much to get into right now. But I will say my biggest takeaway was this idea of domestication, where we are holding on to all the stories, sometimes the lies, the roles that our family, society has taught us in our childhood. And we are living our life according to this domestication. And it doesn't need to be like that. You can take an inventory of what things you are living by your domestication and decide, do I really believe that? Do I want to believe that? Is that serving me? Can I think of something else? It's all about the story that we're telling ourselves, right? Because based on our childhood, Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. was saying that if you didn't live up to these domestications, there was conditional love. So if you weren't living up to it, people would take their love away. Oh, well, you don't fit into my box that I'm putting you in. So the only answer to it, live with authenticity is unconditional love for yourself and for others. I absolutely love this book. Enough said. Then I read another one by Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. called Beyond Fear. Not a big fan. Then I listened to Erroneous Zone by Wayne Dyer because, hey, anything by Wayne Dyer is going to be, but eh, it's okay. I also listened to Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life by Wayne Dyer. I didn't end up finishing it because it just wasn't like grabbing me. And I dabbled a little bit in Codependent No More, but it was just really depressing. So, you know, that's kind of the book where you just got to take in little chunks and let it digest. But I, I feel like it did. It did its job for now. Okay, then this is where it's good. I listened to my first Brene Brown book, Daring Greatly. Now, if you don't know Brene Brown, she is a shame researcher, which never occurred to me that somebody would want to research that. What a gift to the world to bring light to this horrible feeling. So shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Damn. And they say that shame is like the most damaging human emotion that we can experience. So yeah, like, let's do some research on shame, okay? And find out, like, how do we not feel shame? And really, what Brene Brown talks about is she wants us to live wholehearted and meaningful lives. Another way of saying, realize your popularity. 
So like any good bibliophile, I have my notes right here. So I'm going to kind of read from my notes. So if you want to learn shame resilience, there's four steps. Okay. So it's number one, understand our triggers. And that just is like personal development 101 awareness, right? We need to be aware that we are being triggered and name it. It's like, oh, I feel shame right now. Step two, take stock of what external factors are causing that shame. Step three, receive and offer empathy. So you got to get vulnerable. You got to say, well, I feel for you that you are having to throw shame on me or whatever it is. And then four, let's talk about it. Holding shame inside only makes it grow bigger. And I don't know for sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that kind of shame feeling, if it festers inside of you, it can really cause stress, dis-ease, and ultimately, if when we hold emotions in our body, we're going to damage our body. So don't do that. Okay. After that, I listened to Six Weeks to Happy by Zara Carson. And guess what? She is going to be on the show very soon. We will talk about that when she's on the show. Then I picked up back to the business stuff. I picked up the entrepreneur roller coaster by Darren Hardy. I had a manager at the cemetery who loved Darren Hardy. Oh, he loved him some Darren Hardy. And we would uh, <laughs> get quotes from his books and listen to his videos. And uh, so I picked up this book and it's a nice analogy of how entrepreneurship is like a roller coaster. And he does a really good job of kind of setting up all the little pieces. Like there's a height requirement. There's a, you got to put on your seatbelt. You got to fill up the seats. You got to, what you know, have some safety measures. Like he's got it all. It's, it's very cute. Okay. So number nine, and if you're still with me, Hold on to your head because this one blew my mind. And I've talked about it before, but I will talk about it again. This book, The Untethered Soul, rocked my world. It totally shifted my my understanding of my inner critic because I was always curious, like, what do I do with my inner critic? Am I supposed to fight it? Am I supposed to ignore it? Am I supposed to talk to it? Like, what do you do with this inner critic? And the untethered soul breaks it down that your voice is going on in your head. First of all, it's not you. You are your soul. You are the observer of what is happening in your human head. And the voice just goes and goes and goes because it's trying to interpret the world around you using your five senses and just continues to just talk. And it just goes like a machine, just keeps going. <laughs> and you don't have to believe anything it says. You can reprogram your mind so it says the things you want it to say. It doesn't happen overnight, but with practice. And that was pretty much the best goddamn thing I ever heard. But it doesn't stop there. Michael Singer, the author, also talks about triggers. He calls them thorns that are stuck in us. And we, along the way, we have picked up all of these thorns that get stuck inside of us. Somebody pushes up against our trigger, then it hurts. And we can create all of these barriers between us and the world so we will never be triggered. Or we can simply 
It's so simple, right? (laughs) Easier said than done. But we can remove the triggers. That's like all you can control is your reaction. And if it's not even an issue for you, you're not going to be triggered anymore. And so begins the peaceful living. When I was kind of going back through reading summaries of all these different books, there was a couple more things that I forgot about in this book that was so great, The Untethered Soul. Do not avoid pain. If And that's like the whole trigger thing. If we are avoiding pain, we are not growing. And I'm not saying go jump headfirst into pain, but we have to get out of our comfort zone. And that's where some of the good things happen. And you don't have to go fast. You could just go slow outside, go a little bit outside your comfort zone, and then a little bit more and a little bit more. And that's how you grow. The ultimate goal is just inner peace. Inner peace. Whew. That was such a good book. Ugh. For a self-help bibliophile, I must have been so ready to get that wisdom because it just dropped into my life and was like, freed me. It taught me the things I needed to know. So once I finished this extraordinary personal development book, I went back to the money mindset stuff because that was my goal, if you remember. So I did You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. Her first book is actually You Are a Badass, but I went straight for the money book. I love Jen Sincero's writing style. It's so down to earth. She's really funny. She drops some F-bombs. It's it's hilarious. But it basically, a lot of it is about changing your money mindset. And she walks you through her process. And she really, I mean, she has a, an amazing transformation story. So If you are living in a garage and you're a starving artist and you know, you're a waitress, but you have big dreams, like listen to this book, but, but either way, listen to this book. It's so, it's so good. Okay. We're kind of getting toward the end of the year. So I went back to another self-help book. I listened to the power is within you by Louise Hay. I'd always heard about Louise Hay and I never read any of her books, you know, right off the bat, I'll just tell you, I wasn't super fond of everything she said in the book. Like, I think it was written maybe back in the nineties, like early nineties. And she was talking about how AIDS was a disease of dis-ease, which kind of means that like, you're not right with yourself. So you kind of get the disease. I didn't, didn't really agree with that. But although I do, I do think there is something to dis-ease and, and certainly she has an amazing story where she had like uterine cancer or something. And she realized she had all this like trauma around her female parts. And she just like healed the trauma and like miraculously healed her cancer. So, you know, something to that, but wouldn't pass up the opportunity for modern, modern medicine either. So her whole thing is just, you know, she's the mother of self-help, they say. She's all about love thyself no matter what. Listen to your inner voice, heal your inner child, and you know, living your life will create happiness. So here we go, rounding out the end of the year, the 12th book I read or listened to, whatever kind of bibliophile you are, was called Rejection Proof. God help me, I do not know how to pronounce his name. Jia Zheng, I think is how you say it, Jia Zheng. So Jia was a Chinese immigrant. He came over here with dreams and ambitions to be Bill Gates. And he got his MBA. 
he ended up in a corporate job that was like six figures, cush, but like he wasn't really happy. He tells his wife, like, I'm miserable. And she's like, well, just quit your job and do what you want to do. So he's like, okay, I'm going to give it six months. He goes out. He's got this idea for an app, I think it was. And he pitches it to the investors. And okay, spoiler alert, they turn him down. But so begins the premise of the book because he is so devastated by this rejection that he decides to go into rejection therapy and blog about it for a hundred days. And I just loved hearing all these stories, his journey of where he started out. The first rejection therapy assignment was, and he would come up with these like on the fly or every day or something. And it was like, I think he was, he was quitting his job and he was out going out of the building and he asked the security guard if he could borrow a hundred dollars. And the security guard was like, uh, no jaw just like ran away as you would. And, uh, and then finally to the end where he just became so comfortable with rejection. And I loved the process because for me, I definitely have a fear of rejection. And this is something that I came up with, with Bera. We were doing some unblocking techniques with the pendulum and stuff. And she's like, I do have a big fear of rejection because... I just want everybody to love me. Some things I learned in this book is that most importantly, a no is not about you. And like, I know this intellectually, but the more I can hear it, hopefully it'll really sink in to my subconscious. No, no is forever. There is a limit to the number of no's you will hear. I mean, you hear about these authors who have put out proposals and they get like, 200 no's, 200 rejections. And finally, like 201. Now they've got Harry Potter land at Universal Studios. And like, it's a whole thing. <laughs> so, but before that time, 200 people thought her book was a shitty book and said no. So it has a number and it's not about you. When you get rejected, get curious. Ask in a curious, loving supportive sort of way. I wonder why. Why wouldn't you want me to plant this rose bush in your lawn? Don't don't run away. You know, you can kind of reverse a bit, but you don't need to totally be like a cockroach and run for the nearest crack in the wall. Use the rejection as an opportunity to collaborate. I love this. Well, what would work for you? Because maybe the first offer doesn't really work. So what would work? In Rejection Proof, the author also talks about if you have a request, start with I and explain why you are making that request. This is something I saw online the other day. You've got 10 people online in front of you at the gas station. You have a period emergency and you've got a box of tampons. You just say, I have a period emergency. Can I go to the front of the line? Somehow, when you explain what your motives are and just make a simple request, people will be way more likely to grant you that request. You can also acknowledge their doubt. Like, yeah, I know this is pretty crazy. Like, just kind of like clearing the air, you know, acknowledging that this is awkward. And finally, if you are so comfortable re with rejection, you are not even concerned with the outcome. Because you know you have confidence, 
and you are poised and you will most likely get this or something better. And it's not about you. The book was so entertaining. I loved how it was written. I was really on the edge of my seat in some stories like, what's going to happen? And really invested in this poor guy who was set out to be an entrepreneur, but really found this amazing journey instead that helped so many people along the way. Sam. Those are the books I listened to this year. I know I'm such a bibliophile, especially in the self-help section, <laughs> but I am always open to suggestions. Like Bera, one of our guests on the episode, she suggested I listen to We Should All Be Millionaires. And oh, buddy, I am loving it. Yes, so good. So I want to hear your suggestions. Go on Instagram, hit me up, send them my way. I want to hear what books really affected your life. And you know what? I bet you I read about 50% of them, but we can have a conversation about it and say, oh my gosh, I love that one so much. So the things I want to leave you with today, I know you're busy. It's hard to sit down and read a book, but you can always find time to listen to a book or a podcast like this where you listen about books. That'll work too. Turn your car into a classroom and turn your chores into productive time. Whatever area of growth you're focusing on this year or this month, there is a book for it or there's a website for it. We are in the most incredible age of sharing information and knowledge and best practices. So it's actually one of the best times in the history of the world to learn new things. And I just want you to know, even if you aren't a bibliophile, you could be a podcastophile and you are still loved and adored here. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to me yammer on about all the wonderful self-help books I've listened to this year. Come back next week because we are going to have an awesome interview from Matthew Anderson, Who's the one who recommended The Untethered Soul to me, which changed my life? So we're going to have him on the show so he can tell us all about his energy healing practice. And then a couple weeks after that, we're going to have Zara Carson on who wrote Six Weeks to Happy. Thank you. I'll take Six Weeks to Happy. Not seven, not eight, six. Well, thanks for listening. Remember to send me your recommendations for my next self-help book. And when we live with intention like this, we don't just manifest, we mega fest.